The song of ascent, ascent, depends how you wish to say it. If you want to say it with the Hebrew words, if you want to say it with the American language, ascent. There's 14 of them. Psalms 120 through 134. And at least three times each year, the Israelites would make their way to the city of David, to Jerusalem, to worship God. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles. And as they made their way to Jerusalem, it was pretty much of an uphill trek. There are not many places in Israel that have a higher elevation than the city of Jerusalem. And for many of the worshipers, they had to walk the whole way. And as they walked, they would sing the songs of ascent. Psalms 121 verse 1 starts off with an interesting phrase. I will lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? What were they looking at? What did they see when they lifted their eyes to the hills? They were looking at Jerusalem. It's the highest place around. This is what they saw. This is what they literally saw. And it would have taken away their breath. One person described it this way. The city was a wonder to behold and the gem crown was the temple itself. The building was solid white marble with gold glistening in the sun to such an extent that it was blinding at daylight. It actually blinded when the sun came off it. That's what they saw when they lifted their eyes. They were looking at more than just a mere building. They were looking at a place they knew God dwelt. Think about that for a second. They were looking at a place they knew God dwelt. When they they lifted their eyes to the hills, they were looking at the temple. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Now, there's an old Yogi Berra phrase. It says, you get what you look for if you know what you're seeking. You'll find it. But if you don't know what you're looking for, you're going to wander around aimlessly. Now, how many of you know Yogi Berra sayings, right? He was a former catcher and a, uh, and a manager for the New York Yankees. And he was famous for all these roles that he did in his life. But where he really shined was his sayings. He made the hard to understand one easy. And one of my favorite sayings that he said was, if you know, if you don't know where you're going, you're likely to end up someplace else. If you don't know where you're going, you're likely to end up someplace else. I want you to think about that for a second. 
So the 121st Psalm, verse 1, is declaring we look at the hills. We look to the hills of Jerusalem, to the hills that holds the temple of God, to look at God who promises peace. In Psalm number 4, verse 8, David wrote, I will lay down and sleep in peace for you, O Lord, alone, O Lord. I dwell in safety. And Psalms 29 verse 11 says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. In the book of Isaiah 55, it's verses 6 and then you have to switch to 12 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And you will go out with joy and come forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills will burst to song before you. And the trees of the field will clap their hands. Look to God who can give you peace. So how do I know that God will give me peace? That's a good fair question. How do I know that God will give me peace? Well, one of my favorite parts of this psalm we read today is verses 3 and 4. Now, did you notice that John also had it in the responsive reading? He did not know what I was preaching on this morning. So you're getting this lots of times. This is needed. He who keeps you will not slumber. Indeed, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. Now, why would that be important? Because the rest of the promises in this psalm and the rest of the promises in of all of Scripture hinge on that truth. God will not sleep. He's always going to be there. He's always going to be watching you. So, you know that He won't let your foot slip. He won't be sleeping. How do I know that he will protect us from the sun of the day and the moon by night? Because he's not sleeping. How do I know he will keep us from evil and protect our lives? Because he's not sleeping. You're not going to catch God napping. Now there was a young mother. And she was putting her daughter to bed one night. And her husband was gone. He was on a road trip. And they were all alone. And it was a full moon. And the wind was howling. And the trees were menacing. And the mom and the daughter were actually uneasy. You've been in those storms? North Dakota, we have wind. The trees move. The girl asked her mother if the moon was God's nightlight. And as a dutiful mother might listen when the girl's in trouble, she said, oh yes it is, it's God's nightlight. Then the girl asked, does God turn out his light when he goes to sleep? And mom said, oh no honey, God never sleeps. Oh, the child said quietly. Well, if God is going to stay up all night, 
There's no sense both of us staying awake. And she rolled over and pulled the blankets over her head, and she went to sleep. Can you picture a young child doing that? Childlike faith. The child found comfort in the fact that God didn't sleep. God was going to be up all night anyway. She had faith that he'd watch over her while she slept. Too often in this world, there are people who don't think about God watching over them. Now, Dr. Don Colbert, that really is his picture. See, his name's on his jacket, right? He wrote the book called Less Stress. And in that book, he focuses on the problem of stress in our society. Any of you ever stressed out at work? Okay, one person, two people, three, three are being honest. The rest are, okay, if you're not being stressed out at work, what are you doing, right? He focused on stress in our society. And in that book, he wrote this. Did you know that 75 to 90% of all visits to primary care physician are to the office, not to the hospital, but to the office, are stress-related sleep disorders? Stress is affecting you. And that's according, that's actually according to the American Institute of Stress. Stress affects you. That's what's driving us to our shelves of our pharmacy. Feelings of stress. Americans consumed 5 billion tranquilizers last year. 3 billion... Anima, what is the name? Thank you very much. Nurses know that stuff, right? That's a tongue twister. 3 billion, whatever that name is. 16 tons of aspirin every year. 16 tons of aspirin every year. Much of this medicine is being taken to help alleviate stress or the resulting headaches and pain associated with stress. As a result, we can ask the question, why so many pills? Well, now, sometimes pills are helpful. One speaker on stress today noted that he'd actually gone in for counseling and had asked for pills to help him cope with this difficult situation. He explained that he couldn't sleep. So, the guy was talking to him and he said, he explained to him, we must be careful not to look to drugs as our first option when dealing with our pain in our lives. He counts, count, the counselor explained, let's just word it that way, that they didn't even have a doctor's on staff who was qualified to write such prescriptions. But the counselor cautioned him that they wanted to make sure that he was not using drugs as an escape. He said that medicine can be helpful if your chemistry's messed up. Now, sidebar here. I, I was trying to go out and shoot Bambi this weekend, right? And I'm going through the tree rows. And so my knee is all wrapped up and I'm taking lots of aspirin. I'm doing that because of real pain, right? 
None of you would ever believe that your hips and knees can hurt, right? There is a reason to take medicine. But I better get back to the sermon. Oh, I missed my deer, so you don't have to worry. Deer's still alive. Sometimes people, chemistry's messed up. And they need to be on medicine. Actually, they need to be on medicine the rest of their life. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes people are so overwhelmed with what's in front of them that they need medicine for a short time so they can calm down to be able to deal with what they're dealing with and move on. That's, that happens in life. But he also, this counselor didn't want him to give that kind of medicine if the person was thinking they could use it and not have to deal with the hard thing in front of them. The challenge was, let's word it this way, his challenge to, that, to this person was, he shouldn't use anything, whether it was pills or alcohols or, or screen or food or whatever, you shouldn't use anything to avoid facing the hard facts. Anybody ever had a big bowl of ice cream when you had a tough day? Put that black syrup on it, you know, chocolate syrup, right? Oh, you gotta have sprinkles if you got kids, right? That helps a hard day, but you, you know, you can only eat so many of those. The goal is not to numb the pain. The goal is to experience God's peace. The problem is, for too many people, is that many who don't need pills, they don't need them. But they're, they're not looking to God to watch over them, their lives, and help them deal with the problems. So they think they need a pill. He's not the one they're looking at, or they're looking to. They, they try to look to drugs to solve their problems. And so they worry and stress over things that they can't control. And thus they can't sleep. Now I read an article in Time Magazine. Um, and, and actually it was in the two, 2004 magazine, October, if you want to go look up the article. right? The author wrote, it happens two or three times a week. I go to bed, turn off the light, and I wait to fall asleep and I wait and I wait and I wait anybody in here thinking that happened to you yeah well it does happen now he said the author of the article said it might be two or three hours before I drop off and then I might only I might wake up a couple hours later and go through the whole same thing again I've been thinking more about those sedatives and ambient advertise they run on television, right? Maybe I should try those. Those pills promise a whole night of sleep. Blissful sleep. With, with just a few side effects. But that prescription might not be the best answer. One expert, Greg Jacobs, an insomnia expert with the Sleep Disorder Center in Boston's Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Hospital. That's a mouthful. And that's him. Says, it isn't Ambien, it isn't that Ambien doesn't work. 
Drugs like Ambien get you to sleep, but they don't deal with the stress and the anxiety which you often have are the underlying problems of your insomnia. Once you're off the drug, insomnia usually returns with a vengeance. Which, of course, gives folks a whole another new reason to worry. But in another one of those songs of ascent we read, it is vain that you rise up early and go to rest late, eating bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. Now that is Psalms 127 verse 2, if you want to read that up check it out later. If God is going to stay up all night anyway, there's no sense of both of you staying awake. Okay? There's no sense. God's going to be up. Relax and let God give you the sleep you need. Now allow me to be very clear about this. You don't want to mock stress. Everybody goes through it in life. It's not funny. It's not, it's really frustrating. We could have been all stressed out when the sound system didn't like us, but we don't. We, okay, we just chill. But there are times in lives when we're laying in bed and our minds will not shut down. Or anybody else in here not have that problem. I've, I've, I've thought of something I did 10 years ago and got all stressed out over it. We've all experienced it. But there is a solution that neither pills nor therapy therapy can completely supply. The solution is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 3. God will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Hear that out again. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he will trust in you. Instead of focusing on our present problems, we need to focus on God and what he's done in the past and what he will do in the future. Now, we need to be in his word. When life is falling apart, the answers for life are found in this book. Now, some of you like to read it. And some of you like to listen to it. And some of you like to listen to Christian music. I mean, 104.5 or 83.0, Caleb is 83 point something. 88.3. It's on one of those channels. They're on 24 hours a day. If you can't sleep, the trick is don't have it blaring really loud. Have it really, really, really soft because you'll wake up in the middle of the night and think it's too loud. Right? We need to be in His Word. We need to listen to His Word. We need to listen to music. The book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, and then goes to, I think it's 13. Paul wrote, Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about 
these things. And the peace of God will be with you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Think about God and his good things that he has done and focus on the faithfulness of God that he's done in your past. Now someone might say, I tried that once and it didn't work. Well, here's the deal. God says it will work. Maybe not right away, but it will work. you got to get in the pattern of doing it. I mean, it's not like a prescription drug. You can't overdose on God. And you can't get too much of him of his prescription. Do it again and again. And again. Over and over again until it registers in your mind. You gotta get, you gotta push all that stuff out. If God says it will work, and if you do it faithfully, it's gonna work. You see, we have an advantage that others of this world don't have. We have hope. We have hope in a God who can do stuff. We have hope in a God who can tinker with our minds and bring us peace. We have a God who will keep us in perfect peace when we keep our minds focused on Him. Allow me to share with you these facts. History tells us to look back. Science tells us to look around. Philosophers tell us to look within. And God tells us to look up. The difference between a lost man and a saved man is simply this. A lost man has no hope, while the saved man has blessed hope. And the saved man has hope because he looks up. In this world, when most people think about peace, they think of it about being an absence of conflict. Does that make sense? You don't want any stress, you don't want any conflict in your life, right? Any of you have any stress this week? Nobody. Oh my goodness. That's okay. I did. <sighs> I missed my shot. That was stressful. It was tough. <laughs> Bear with me. I'm going to make sense of this. Jesus said, That's not the way to true peace. The absence of conflict is not the way to true peace. Jesus said, you will have disappointments. You will have struggles. You will have conflicts. You can't get away from it. It's going to happen. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's coming. But then he said, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. Those words of Jesus are found in John 16, verse 33. In other words, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. God in flesh. In the presence of Jesus, our hearts and our minds were lifted up. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, but I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, 
Neither let it be afraid. Now that's John chapter 14, verse 27. Years ago, I'm going to make sense of this. Years ago, the Wycliffe Bible translators, they were working with a very hard to find word in a primitive tribal language. I mean, the, the problem is, we have words in English or in Aramaic or Greek or that that don't translate into their languages. And they were trying to figure out how to say something that they could understand. Then a native who was working with them, helping to translate it, suggested, why not refer to this piece as a heart that sits down? The peace Jesus offered is peace that relaxes. So they actually translated John 14, 27 this way. Where Jesus said, my peace I give you, they wrote it this way. Jesus said, I will make your heart sit down. I will make your heart relax. Where did Jesus get this power to give us this peace? Well, it happened on the cross. Isaiah 53 verse 5 declares, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Oh, this is a terrible illustration, but I'm, I like it. It's, 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 you're, some of you went to school, you can picture this in your mind already. I want you to think about this, a lecturer standing up to give a lecture on, to his students on stress management. A professor at school telling them how to not to have stress. He raised a glass of water and asked his audience, how heavy do you think this water is? And the students asked, you know, they're, they're math students, on, well, 20 grams. And they got up to 500 grams. When is the last time you ever thought in grams? You know, but the students were asking that. And the, the professor said, it does not matter on the absolute weight. It depends on how long you hold it. If you hold it for a minute, that's okay. Everybody can hold a glass up there for a minute. Now, if I hold it for an hour, I'll have an achy right arm. If I hold it all day, you'll have to call me an ambulance. It's the exact same weight, but the longer you hold it, the heavier it becomes. If we carry our burdens all the time, sooner or later, we will not be able to carry on. The burdens will become increasingly overwhelming, extremely heavy. What you have to do is put the glass down every once in a while. Rest from holding it up. And then you can hold it up again. We have to put our burdens down periodically so that we might be refreshed and be able to carry on. So before you return home from work, put some of those burdens down. Don't carry them back home. You can pick them up again tomorrow. They'll be at work still. Whatever burdens you are now having in, that are on your shoulders, you got to let them down for a moment. If you can, pick them up again later after you've rested. 
Now, let's be very honest. Stress happens in life. Jesus said you're going to have trouble. Any of you got stress? Really? In a moment, we're going to do something really we don't ever do. We're going to have you all close your eyes and bow your heads. And we want to pray for people dealing with stress. Now, some of you thought when you retired, you'd have no stress. Yeah, no, that didn't work out that way. Some of you have stress at this thing called work. Right? You ever just wanted to grab the boss by the collar and say, You don't understand. That happens. Some of you have stress over medical things. Anybody here got an extra ache or pain this week? One or two of you are smiling. Others are sitting there, oh, I hurt too much to smile. (laughs) Sometimes our stress is not us. Sometimes it's our family. Children, grandchildren, nephews, nieces, brothers, sisters. We have stress. Our challenge is figuring out how not to be buried by stress. Jesus said you're going to have trouble in this world. Now, some of you like reading. I'm a bookaholic. I love reading God's holy word. I just sit there. When I was going through seminary, I was reading too much. I mean, you're you're doing all this paperwork. So my wife found me a scanned copy of the original John... The King James Bible is 1611 with all the old language, right? The these and the thous. And did you know that Paul in the 1611 Bible spelled F-A-U-L? They switched P's and F's. And they back then, 1611, they also switched U's and V's. So it's like reading a foreign language. So it slowed me up. I found that refreshed me. Some of you like listening to iPods, iPads. I, you know, how many of you got more than one Bible on your phone? Now, if you don't have a Bible on the phone, you can go to the Gideon's website. They got a Bible that you can either read yourself or it will speak to you. It'll read you the whole Bible. You can be sitting there making dinner and it'll read to you God's Word out of your phone. It's a wonderful thing. Or some of you like Christian music. Okay. I personally like jazz. I love, oh, I'm a jazz person. And I, oh, I love the acapellas with the four guys in harmony, right? You know, how many of you are into that? No. I also like bagpipes. How many of you are into bagpipes? Hey, it's Scottish or Irish. I love it. It's not my music. There is a genre that God will speak to you with. When you're dealing with stress, be in his word, listen to his word, listen to music, praising him. And it will change your outlook. Any of you ever take naps during the day? I found I just started doing that. It messes up my whole day. There might be a reason I'm taking naps, but they mess up your whole day. You got to keep working. I'm a workaholic. My wife will tell you I'm a workaholic. I don't stop. Sometimes you got to stop. And sometimes you got to speed up. Okay? You're not getting your work done. You got to speed up. The world has stress. 
Now, we as a church body can come alongside you and help during that stress. We can pray for you, have coffee with you, do all those nice, fun things. But if you want to overcome the world, you need to be in the Word. I know that sounds so simple, but it actually works. It's God said it will work. That's all I, I can tell you. So, some of you have had a bad week. Some of you have had a bad month. So what we're going to do is we're going to have everybody close their eyes, bow their heads. I know your eyes are closed. And the reason we're doing this is because we want to pray for you. Some of you are dealing with some stress right now that's beyond our limits. Any of you had stress beyond your limits? Just close. I still see a couple of eyes open. Come on, we're trying to protect everybody. Everybody close your eyes. Now, if you need prayer this week, just so I know who I'm praying for, just raise your hand slowly. I'll watch for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Final call. We're going to pray. Now, just put your hands down so nobody sees. We're going to pray for stress. Our Heavenly Father, you saw the hands that were lifted, and you saw the hands that should have been lifted. Right now, we come before your glorious throne to ask that you give those who need it an extra measure of strength, an extra measure of patience, an extra measure of of your goodness overflowing, that they might be able to stand strong in a world that wants to draw them down. Father, we come before your throne knowing that you said we would have trouble. Your son told us we would have trouble in this world. Give us the wisdom to put it down once in a while and to pick it up later when we're refreshed and strong. Your word says that we are to Look to the hills. That's where you dwell. That was where your temple was. As they walked all those steps, they could see your temple shining in the sun. May we look at the clouds and remember your shining glory. And all God's people said, Amen.